Let's just praise the Lord for that. There was a lot of good stuff there. Praise the Lord. In um, 1992, 1992, a dream for a new kind of church in Birmingham was born. Dr. Bill Elder and his wife, Linda, Hope you're watching this morning, Pastor Bill. We were texting before service. Felt called to plant a new non-denominational church. And a handful gathered in his living room 30 years ago in the first gathering, first worship service for this new congregation. That dream became Mountaintop. In 2022... We celebrate 30 years of ministry in this amazing place. And it's so important to look back over those 30 years because we stand on the shoulders of giants who have come before us. It's important important to me for you to know and for me to always remember that, that you are part of something bigger than yourself, that we are part of something bigger than us, now, and here's, this is an amazing thing. You are an answer to prayers prayed in that living room. Whoa. You are an answer to pray, prayers prayed in that living room 30 years ago. When 10 or 12 people gathered who felt called by God to reach people to reach a city they were praying for you they sacrificed served gave prayed worshiped they built a foundation that you and I stand on our official birthday our official anniversary is June 7th so this June we're going to take three Sundays the last first Sunday in June is our VBS Sunday. It's like one of the most fun Sundays of the year, and uh, it's, it's kind of the, the kickoff to VBS week, Vacation Bible School with our kids. And then the last three Sundays in June, we're going to celebrate uh, 30 years. We're going to take three Sundays to walk through the highlights of, of ministry through each decade. And I'm pretty pumped about it because we're going to do music from those decades. So... The 90 Sunday, baby. We're going to raise the roof with some shout to the Lord. Come on. Come on, shout to the Lord. We might do some songs with some motions or something. Like back, That was my day back in college in the 90s. So it's going to be a fun time because those decades have shaped our ministry. And we're going to give some details of a, of a new dream for steps of how we feel like God's calling us to reach our community. With our history in mind, today I also want to take not only this morning, but really this June, I'll also look at the next 30 years. Because here's what I want to tell you. On January 2nd, 2052, I will not be pastor here. Okay, come on, thank you. My wife's there, I thought that might be clap, clap. Um, I will be 75. And I will hopefully be chasing around grandkids. I don't think, um, I don't think I'm going to go the Charles Stanley route and do this thing till I'm 80. You know, some guys got that in them. I don't think I got that in me. Um, I, I, I would never say never. 
and uh, there will be another pastor, and there will be another group of leaders uh, in our church, and you might be in a retirement home. Right? Well, come, that's coming. I was like, if you're in your 20s right now, check this out. You're in your 20s. You're going to be an empty nester. And some of us are going to be with Jesus. Right? Some of us are going to be with Jesus. But there will be a new generation here. There will be a new generation that is part of Mountaintop. There will be a new generation that calls Mountaintop home. Will they look back in 2052, back to 2022, the way we look back to 1992? Will they look back on us as pioneers in the faith? Will they look back at us as those who sacrificed and served? Will they look back at us and say, thank God they were so faithful? So I want to share a vision for 2022 today, look back on some incredible 30 years, and, and really this, that this would be a launching pad for the next 30. Because here's what I believe, vision begins with values. Vision begins with values. We have seven values here at Mountaintop, and I'm going to talk about those, how we feel like we're called to live those out uh, this year. They got everything we do to try and accomplish our mission. And our mission is pretty simple. We invite and equip people to follow Jesus. That's what we do. We invite and equip people to follow Jesus. And so we won't be done with that mission until every person on planet Earth follows Jesus. That's when we'll be done. And we're going to start with Birmingham. We're going to try to reach all of Birmingham first. A year or so ago, I said that that I believed that, uh, that I shared a vision for our church to be a church of 10,000 people. That really believed that we could be a church that reached 10,000 people uh, in our city. And part of my vision and my heart is that there would be 100 other churches just like us in our community. Because we can't invite and equip them all. If there would be a hundred churches, and some of you are like, man, that's a whole lot. If there would be a hundred churches in Birmingham of 10,000 people, we would reach all one million people in the metro Birmingham area. And that's my heart, that every person in Birmingham knows Jesus, that every person in Birmingham has a place they're growing in their faith, that every person in Birmingham would go to heaven. I want Birmingham to be the hardest place on earth to go to hell from. Right? Like, if we just get to heaven and be like, where are you from? Birmingham. Like, man, <laughs> the whole city's here, right? Wouldn't that be great? And we got to be a part of that story. And we can't fit all million here. So we, we want to partner with other churches. And maybe it's 205,000 person churches. I don't know what it is. But I just believe that we ought, we ought to got to do our part to reach our community and to reach our city. And I believe that we have the capacity uh, to do that. So I want to talk today about taking a step, uh, That's because that's not going to happen uh, overnight. That's going to take 20 or 30 years. That's going to take partnerships. One of the reasons that we're partnering with C2 Nation Church through our Christmas offering that we're going to be able to really be generous with and do some things that maybe because of your generosity that we didn't think that they can do. Like one of the things, can I just tell you something I'm excited about? They really need new carpet at C2 Nation in their sanctuary. They've done an incredible job renovating their sanctuary, their stage, their lights, their sound, their, their technology. It looks great. they got a great team, but they really need new carpet, and we weren't sure we were going to be able to get new carpet and do the coffee house. Doggone it, we're doing new carpet, all right, for C2 Nation. 
right? We're doing new carpet because of your generosity. So we want, we want all kinds of partners like that that we're partnering with, that we're working with to help reach our city. That's going to take a long time. But I want to talk today about how I believe that for this year, for 2022, to take a step toward that, for what it would look like for us to be a church of 2,000 people. It's about twice what we are now. It's about twice. Um, since COVID hit, there's no church in America that knows exactly how big they are, right? No pastor knows, like, people are like, what size of church? You're like, I don't know, right? Because you're like, you had pre-COVID numbers, and now you've got so many more people watching online, and it's just changed everything. But, but we're about a church of about 1,000 people. And so this would be about twice. Now, some of you are going to go. Is, um, I know what some of you are thinking. Is it all about numbers? That's, that's what pastors, all pastors care about. Is it all about numbers? And my answer to you is yes. It is all about numbers. Because every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. That's reaching a thousand more people than we have now. That's a thousand more baptisms. That's a thousand more stories. That's a thousand more people coming to faith in Christ. That's a thousand more people finding community. That's a thousand more families joining in. That's a thousand more names that were on the mind of Jesus when he hung on the cross. You think numbers mattered to Jesus? Those thousand mattered to him. It's not about so we can pump out our chest and say we're something. It's not about that. It's not about for our sake. It is about for the people because those numbers represent people. And we want to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to share how we can take some steps for that uh, that are centered on our values and partner with others around uh, our, uh, around our city to do the same. The writer of Hebrews wrote to a group of believers that were at a similar crossroads, kind of looking ahead and kind of like, well, what now? What now? And their existence wasn't just 30 years old. They had thousands of years of tradition and history and lineage in them. I hope, we can't read the whole thing this morning, but I hope you will go home today, maybe this afternoon or this week, and read Hebrews chapter 11. People call it, kind of nickname it, it's, it's a, the chapter is called the Hall of Faith. So the Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of Faith. I hope you'll read Hebrews 11. It's, it's an incredible one. So often, if you were doing Hebrew history, you, you would, you know, most of kind of everything starts with Abraham. But they go back even further in Hebrews 11. He starts all the way back at Abel, Adam and Eve's son. The writer of Hebrews starts at Abel and talks about Enoch and talks about Noah, and then finally Abraham, and Sarah, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, and Rahab, and Samson, and Gilead, uh, Gideon, and, and, and David, and Samuel, and all the prophets. He talks about men and women. He talks about all these followers of Jesus, these believers in Christ who sacrificed their lives, who suffered beatings for, and persecution for the sake of the gospel. It's an incredible story. I hope you will read it. And as I read that, I think, well, we have a hall of faith ourselves before us. Brothers and sisters who sacrificed 
and clawed their way into becoming a real church in our city. I, I know some of you are like, all you've known is maybe the last decade and known non-denominational world. Do you know how weird non-denominational churches were in 1992? They clawed their way into having respect and honor in a place in our city. They moved four times in an eight-year span from 92 to 2000 to get to where you're sitting. Four times in eight years. From this building to that building to a school to get to where we're at. And so when I read Hebrews 12, chapter, Hebrews 12, 1, I feel it in my bones. I feel exactly what, what he's saying. Listen to what the writer says in Hebrews uh, 12, 1. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, uh, or maybe you got your app, if you don't have a paper copy, a hard copy, take one when you leave. If you're watching at home, maybe, maybe grab that. And before I open up the scriptures, if you're brand new here, I had to introduce myself. My name's Carter. I'm the pastor here. And man, we just can't think of a better way than to kick off the new year with you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Oh, man. You have a cloud of witnesses who have gone before you. You are not alone. There is a legacy of faith that precedes you and goes before you. Their prayers for you and our mission still echo in the ears of God. That's something that I believe about prayers. They last forever. Prayers last forever. They get to heaven and they just hang around. Their prayers for you and for our mission continue to echo in the ears of God. They laid a foundation. They are cheering you on. We are part of something that started before us and will last long after us. Doesn't that feel good? Don't you want to be a part of something that is bigger than you? We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Man, Pastor Bill texted me after the Christmas Eve service. He, he's watching. He's still surrounding us with prayers. That makes me know that, man, I'm part of something. This is special. This is big. So then, with that in mind, with that, that reminder that we are part of something, that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Well, that got personal real quick. I was feeling good. I'm a part of something big. And then, then the writer turns it and says, so, so you, since you, therefore, since you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, like, let us, our generation, let us, not them, let us. We've got a part to play now. Let us throw away everything that hindered us all the sin that entangles us. And here's what I so believe so strongly in where you and I come into play for this year and for laying a foundation for the next 30 years. Corporate vision starts with personal vision. Corporate vision starts with personal vision. In just a second, you're going to see the writer of Hebrews, he's going to start talking about running a race, 
And if you, the most important thing in the first step is to run a race that God has set before me is to get rid of all the stuff that's weighing me down. Get rid of all the sin that's hindering us, all the stuff that's entangling us. And listen, church, I, I, just, mean this, I just mean this. This is so important. We can have all the vision in the world as an organization, but it won't make a dent in our city if we aren't people who throw off sin in our own personal lives. We can have all the corporate vision in the world as an organization, as a church, but it will not make a dent, it will not make an impact in our city if we are not individuals who have thrown off the sin that hinders us and entangles us. We can have a plan to invite people. We can have the best kids ministry in the city. We can have the best student ministry in town. We can have incredible worship services and a great band. We can have all of that. But what Birmingham really needs is a people who are set apart. What Birmingham needs is a people who are set apart because you can go to Disney and you can find something that will entertain your children better. You can go to YouTube and you can find music and preaching that is better. You can go to the, the best private school or the best public schools and have programs for your students. But what you can't get anywhere else on planet Earth is a people who are set apart. And what the writer of Hebrews is asking and challenging you and me is this. To be holy. And I want to challenge you. 2022, I don't know if you got New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you got some things you need to do. Maybe you do. Those are great. But what about this one? Lord, I want to be holy. What Birmingham needs is people at the ball fields, on high school sports teams and little league teams and little league coaches and cheer moms and teachers at dance studios and people at offices and people in line at Starbucks. What they need is holy people. What your neighborhood needs is holy. It's people, they will look at you and go, why are you so different? Because we have thrown off the sin that entangles us, that hinders us. And the writer points that the best way to do that for individuals and for our church is it starts with where you put your focus. He says this, let us, after you throw all that off, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Our focus is on Jesus. Let's turn our focus to Jesus. For us, Jesus here at Mountaintop brings together two of our values. And this is what we talked about if you're part of our Christmas Eve services. Man, it was an incredible night. This is what we talked about on, on, on Christmas Eve, that Jesus embodied two of our values, truth and grace. And we have seven values here at Mountaintop. And two, these two, we always say, always go together because they came together fully in Jesus. Truth and grace. So when people say, you know, is it all about, you know, is it all just about numbers? Listen, we're not trying just to get more people. We're trying to get more people to Jesus. That's the point. It's not so we can say that mountaintop uh, would, would be great. It is so that we can make Jesus' name great in our city. 
We're trying to get more people to Jesus. So here's what I hope that you will know and ho hope you figured out here at our church, that we are going to preach the truth here at Mountaintop, and we're going to do it with grace because Jesus came full of both. Truth and grace is where we start. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He reminds us who we are and whose we are. So my promise to you, and this year and every year, I don't know how many of the next 30 that I'll be pastor, but I'm gonna make it as long as I can, that I'm gonna preach truth and grace. I'm gonna preach Jesus. That's, that's my kind of my commitment, my covenant to you. And the writer says, let's all focus on Jesus. Let's be holy. Let's throw off the sin that entangles us and hinders us. Because you're going to need that focus for the race ahead. Listen to what he says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I just want to tell you, I'm uncomfortable with how many times the words endure, um, perseverance, don't grow weary, lose heart. You ever read where there's like, you know what? Mm. You don't need endurance if it's a sprint, Right? And the writer of Hebrews is telling us, hey, this faith journey is not going to be a sprint. It's going to be a marathon. And can we just confess something together here? That the last two years kind of felt like we finished 2020 and we crossed the finish line of a marathon. And they handed us a new jersey and a new number and we just had to do an Ironman. Right? That's kind of the way it's felt. That's kind of the way it's felt, because none of us have ever lived through anything like what we're going through. And I, I can remember when this pandemic started, I looked at my boys, and I just said, boys, we don't know what we're doing. And nobody you know knows what we're doing, because there are, there are so few left that had, that had any remembrance of going through the Spanish flu, right? I mean, there's a few that, that, that are, but they were maybe kids when that was going going are very young, they don't remember anything, like, we don't know what we're doing, and this is really hard, and two years later, here we are, and we're still struggling, and all the issues that that's raised, socially, personally, uh, politically, medically, all the things, that, all the issues that it has raised, all the tension that it's raised in our society, that it is, it's going to take some endurance, it's going to take some perseverance, and it's hard. So the writer says, to shed the extra weight of sin, sharpen our focus on Jesus, and remember his example. For the joy set before him, he could see the other side of the cross. Right? He knew he was in the Father's will. He sits at the right hand of the Father now. But seeing a better future, seeing a vision, allowed him the perseverance to keep on keeping on. And friends, you've got Jesus in you. You've got Jesus in you, church. You can keep on keeping on because we know that there is another side to the endurance. There is a better future. And this is so important because we are blazing our own trails. Listen to the close of this passage, and I want you to, and then I want to invite you to a vision for 2022 on the remainder of our values and the part that we all play into it. But listen, I love this because this is the challenge to us. He started 
with a cloud of witnesses that has gone before us, looking back, thankful, grateful. And then he says, and here's our part. Therefore, he says, in verses 12 through 13, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Get strong because we are paving a road for those who will come after us. And let's be those who made it a smooth path for those to walk after us. We can leave a level path for those that come after us, or we can leave a bumpy road. Which do you want to be known for? How do you want them to look back in 30 years? Do we want to be a generation that left things? Man, that was a hard course for, that we had to traverse thanks to those people in 2022. Or it was, a, such a, it was smooth sailing. Those people left such a smooth path for us. And we weren't disabled by walking on it. We, it, we were healed by walking on the path that they paved. So I want to talk about five values to reach 2000 in 2022. I truly believe this is possible. And I believe it's going to take us living out these five values in, in really four ways. The first one is generosity. I have this crazy idea that the local church should be the most well-funded organization on planet Earth. I, I, just have this, I just have this idea. Jesus founded and gave his life for the church. Now, we had, because of your generosity, just an incredible, an incredible 2021. I just want to say, you're incredible. God is good. He is big, and you're awesome, and thank you for your surrender and sacrifice. I, listen, two weeks ago, um, we were getting ready, and we already had a really good first week in our Christmas offering, and our executive pastor, Ben Cathy, um, he, he said something. He's like, I, I wonder if we might reach 670, and I thought he was drinking. Um, and I think we're going to get close to that. Um, I think we're going to get close to that. I, I'm floored by your generosity. But here's what I know. If we're going to continue to reach more people, it's going to take more resources. We're eventually going to need more staff. I want to tell you about something that we've been dreaming about. Um, Josh Power, our student pastor, and Melissa uh, Sanderson, who, who were up here, our kids pastor up here at the beginning, you, you saw them if you don't know them. The three of us uh, have been talking about some dreams and plans with, with a gap that we see in reaching the next generation. And that gap is in fifth and sixth grade. Now, if you had fifth and sixth graders, you know, oh, man, that's just a weird and hard age, right? Fifth graders are, like, so done with elementary school. They're so done with it. They're, like, too cool for kids' ministry, and then they're so ready for sixth grade. And then sixth graders, they get to sixth grade, and then they go to student ministry, and there's like these giant 10th graders standing around. And they're like, I thought I was ready for this, but I'm not. And we even see it in our numbers. Like we, 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 we see it in our numbers. We see that we'll have so many, you know, uh, we'll have our VBS and have a ton of fifth graders here. We'll introduce them to student ministry, and we see a drop-off that they don't all make it. There's a, there's, a, there's a canyon between kids' ministry and student ministry. 
And our numbers for sixth grade small groups are much lower than our numbers for seventh grade. When they get to seventh and eighth grade, they start trickling back in. And so we have begun dreaming about and praying about and already begin planning to begin a fifth and sixth grade ministry in August. Um, that will be on Sunday mornings and that will be a transition tween ministry to help kids uh, make the discipleship jump and their growth because they're ready to start talking about some more serious things than a third or fourth grader is, but maybe not quite ready to talk about what a ninth and tenth grader are. So we're, this ministry will be, I'm so excited about it. I believe it can be an incredible ministry to reach young families. It's probably going to take a new staff person. We believe that, that we need to get a middle school pastor to work under Josh, and that will be their responsibility, and they will also help serve on our student team. So it's going to take more of, it's going to take more to reach more. And we just think this has an incredible opportunity to reach some young families and reach more children and invite them and equip them to follow Jesus. See, that's the problem. Right now, we're not equipping our fifth and sixth graders well to follow Jesus. And we got to equip them better. Because if you ain't been to a middle school, sixth graders need equipped to follow Jesus. So here's what I want to challenge you. So this is, I don't have like some dollar goal or number goal for the, here's, I just want to make this personal for all of us. If you don't tithe, I want to invite you to tithe. Some people say, well, I don't know what tithe means. Tithe means giving 10% of your income. And some of you are asking, well, is it net or is it gross? I don't care. I promise you, if every single person that's part of Mountaintop family tithed off of their net, we would have more money than we knew what to do with. Yet that's between you and Jesus. Would you consider tithing. And so, so here's the question I want to ask you. I believe the tithe is a start of generosity. So here's the question that I would love for you to ask. Am I financially surrendered to Jesus? Am I financially surrendered to Jesus? Some of you are young and you're like, I don't make a lot of money. You know, I don't know. I promise you this. I promise you this. Um, you know, if you don't... <laughs> If you don't learn right now how to give $100 out of every 1,000, you will have a hard time giving 1,000 out of every 10,000. So wherever you're at, it's not, about, it's not about, it's about am I financially surrendered to Jesus enough to trust biblical teaching on generosity, which starts at a tithe. Am I financially surrendered to Jesus? What would happen if we just did that? I, I used to, I used to, when I was young in ministry, um, I, I used to be so nervous and talking about money, or I would be like, um, or I would feel like I had to apologize for it. I don't think that there is anything more worthwhile you could invest in than the local church. I believe in what we're doing. There's nothing else that I give money to that gets people baptized. Nothing else. There's nothing else. I, I, I give money to go watch sporting events, and nobody gets baptized there. I give money to go watch Avengers movies, and nobody gets baptized there. I give money to lots of tennis shoes with four boys, and it doesn't get anybody baptized. I give money to so many things. The only place I give money to where people get baptized is right over there. And I want to invest in that. So if some of you are like, thank goodness I'm off the hook. I tithe already. Is that where your generosity stops? 
Or would you just begin praying about, Lord, is there something else you're calling me to? And at the very end, I got something for you to be praying about. The second thing is this, hospitality. I want to talk about hospitality. It's one of our values, to be welcoming, to invite people in. If we're going to reach people, more people, we need a volunteer army to serve in ministry. We're going to need more kids workers. We're going to need more student small group leaders. We're going to need a brand new army of fifth and sixth grade volunteers. We're going to need more greeters. We're going to need more people on the coffee team. We're going to need more people on the tech team. We're going to need all so, so many more things. In a few weeks, we're going to have serve team signups. And I want to challenge you to find a place where you serve. I believe to reach 2,000 people, to minister to 2,000 people, that we need 500 people serving in ministry. We need 500 people serving in ministry. So I'm asking a lot of questions this morning. The question I would ask here is, would you just take a step to be like Jesus? Jesus said, I did not come, I love this line, to be served, but to serve and give my life. So I want to just ask you a question. I want to challenge you. What would it look like for you to be more like Jesus? Do you come to church to be served, or do you come to serve and to give your life? There's a place that you can serve, and it takes everybody doing everything. And the person that serves the coffee is just as important as the person rocking the babies and just as important as the person running the cameras. You've got a place that God can use you. One of our other values is that we're for each other that we're for each other. Uh, we have a dream, I mentioned, to partner with 100 churches that we would be praying about So, by 2030. So in honor of our 30th year anniversary this year, we want to partner with 30 churches for, our prayer night, for a prayer night. This August, I would love to have a, a prayer service that we have 30 churches, and we need your help. I need you to start talking to your friends. I need you to start talking to all your Baptists and Methodists and Episcopal and, uh, and Lutheran and Catholic and non-denominational and Presbyterian friends. I need you to start talking to all your friends and say, hey, our church wants to partner with you. Can I get your pastor in touch with my pastor? We want to partner with you. Why? Because we're praying for you. Because if we're going to reach a million people in our city, we all need each other. We are for the Big C Church. We are for each other. We are for unity in Christ. I mean, so one of the things we're doing that, obviously, is that we're doing some hands-on things with C2 Nation, and we're going to help renovate their coffee house, get them some new carpet, but we're going to be working over the next three months to, to help them. To, we want to be a church that is getting outside the walls for each other. So we want to be known as that. All right, so the last one I want to talk about. The two go together. Two of our values are that we are for one, and we are about excellence. All right, so there are simply too many people in our community who don't know Jesus. Our demographics say that there are 100,000 within a five-mile radius of our church where you're sitting right now. And if you're watching online, you know exactly where we're at. 100,000 people within a five-mile radius of our church that are not connected to a local church, to a faith community. The largest demographic 
the fastest growing demographic in the Hoover and Vestavia area, which is the immediate five mile radius around us, is young families. And I, listen, I'm an old family. I'm talking about young families. Families in their mid-30s, young families who don't have Christian friends to lean on, young families who don't have a kid's pastor or a student pastor to help shape their kids' lives and partner with them in raising their kids, young families who don't have someone to make them a casserole when they're sick, young families who don't know who to call when they have a prayer request, young families who don't have someone pouring into their eternity. So what would it take to reach all of them and even one of them? I believe the local church is the answer. Um, if revivals were the answer, we'd throw 100 revivals. If, I, if that's where I really thought people came to Christ, I'd say, let's have a revival every Friday night. But I don't think that's what happens. I think people come to Christ in community. Our people grow in their faith in community. I think people are discipled in community. I think people need the local church, and the church is the vehicle that Jesus chose to carry the gospel. And I think we need to make some improvements and excellence to reach one more and certainly a thousand more. Simply, our children's space is inadequate for us to be a church of 2,000 people. Every Sunday, about 30% of our attendance is kids' ministry, kids and volunteers. About 30% of our attendance. We already have fourth and fifth graders in modulars that were supposed to be temporary. How long have they been here? So to have 1,000 in service, each service, so if we were to be a church of 2,000 people, to have 1,000 at our 915 and 1,000 at our 11, that would mean using our demographics of what we kind of have now of the kind of families that we have in our church, that would mean we would have about 770 in here and 230 children and volunteers downstairs. Right now we have like 100 down there. Have any of you ever been downstairs with 100 people there? Can you imagine 230 it's impossible. Right now with 100, we already have some in modulars. We can't do it. Our auditorium would still only be half full, and we would have children meeting in the parking lot. We cannot reach 2,000 people if we do not do this with excellence. We cannot reach more young families for Jesus. Our student space was not really designed to be a student space. It doesn't have breakout space. We want small group space for 6th through 12th grade for boys and girls. That means we need 14 small group rooms in the student center. It's inadequate for 200 students. So if our ministry doubled in size, we wouldn't have a way to reach them. Our parking lot is inadequate for 2,000 people. Anybody have, you know, park somewhere like at like Milo's for Christmas Eve? Right? That was with like 1,200 people. That was with 1,200 people. Some people would say, is it really about numbers? Well, yeah, because those 2,000 are 2,000 ones. Every number has a what? A name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. And God has put them in our backyard to invite them and equip them to follow Jesus. And the time is now. So this fall, 
this fall, next September, October 22, we're gonna launch a building campaign to add kid space and add main level parking, to renovate our existing kid space and renovate our student center, because, and to update the exterior of our building. Because I simply believe that our next generation space, if we say the next generation matters, then our next generation space needs to be the best facilities on campus. If we're serious about reaching young people for Jesus, if we're serious about it, and if you've ever found yourself saying, like, I don't know about these kids today, well, here's a way to help reach them. Here's a way to help these kids today, to invite them and equip them to follow Jesus. Because our ministry, our mission demands excellence. So during our 30-year anniversary celebration in June, we're going to give a few more details about what, how you can be praying about, how you can be a part of about it. We're working with architects to come up with the best solutions. But it's going to cost a lot of money to do it with excellence. I'll just be frank with you. It's going to cost a lot of money. How much money is one baptism worth? Well, it was worth Calvary to Jesus. It was worth Jesus giving his life. To God, it was worth giving his one and only son. And um, there are families, there are adults, there are children, there are teenagers that don't know Jesus. And I want them to be able to say one day, I'm here because I am surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I'm here because they made the path level. We are here because of people that came before us in 1992 and paved a path that was level for us in 2022. And I want to be a part of some stories when I'm chasing grandkids around in 2052 of some changed lives because of what we did in 2022. I want them to be able to say, man, we stand on some shoulders of giants in 2022. Had you heard that they had a pandemic <laughs> and they sacrificed anyway? Had you heard how complicated it was politically in that season? And they came together in unity anyway. Man, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of those 2022 saints and witnesses. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that have come before us who have built your church Lord, this isn't mine, this isn't Pastor Bill's, this isn't uh, any pastors or staff that have come before us, this isn't uh, anybody's but yours. And we're a part of something even bigger than ourselves, Lord. We partner with every church in town preaching the gospel of Jesus. We want to see our city come to faith, Lord, and we want to be known as people who did our part. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we get to be a part of paving smooth roads for those that would come up about us. Lord, help us to personally get rid of every sin that hinders us and entangles us. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and help us to run this race, Lord.
with all we've got. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close today by singing a new song. I love it. It's called Build Your Church. And uh, we believe that the gates of hell will not stand against the church. It is Christ. We are a part of what he has already started. So I want to invite you to sing, learn this new song. If you want to come down and just begin to pray, thank God for those who have come before us. Thank God for the people in your life that have been the witnesses. And come down and pray for where God is calling you to be a part of the next 30 years. Let's sing. Thank you.